Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher. And Flyers fans, we're going to try to brighten your spirits. The sky is not falling. The Flyers, I think, I think are going to be okay. But let's get into it. Taryn Hatcher, not a memorable weekend or trip to, the, to uh, Boston for the Philadelphia Flyers. They dropped both games against the Bruins. The final game a 6-1 loss that was um, their second 6-1 loss of the season out of six games. So I can see why fans maybe are a little concerned. Carter Hart did not look like himself during the game. And after, he smashed his stick on the net and just really showed his frustration. And for everyone that knows Carter Hart, that is not him. He does not get angry. He doesn't show his emotions really, period, at all. So I think that spoke volumes to where the team is right now, how frustrated they are with this start, and they're actually 3-2-1. and one. Uh, Life could be worse. What did you take away from Carter Hart's frustration, Taryn? And what did you really take away from that weekend or that – not that weekend, but those two games in Boston over Thursday and Saturday? Um, <clears throat> the thing – and it's not just from the weekend. It's in general from this year that I've taken away so far is that – my concern is, is even less a little bit about what's happening right now because – and I said this on Flyers postgame live. Every, every team across the league looks sloppy. Like, even teams that have been winning don't look like they're winning the way that they would win before because it was a nine-day training camp and there's no exhibition games and everything in between. Like, that's just true and it makes sense. The, the cause for concern with me is that the way that the Flyers are struggling to refine their roles on this team was something that they struggled with in the bubble as well. And, like, I just sit there and I look back at – I think we remember especially that uh, mid-January through wonderful month of February of last year – and built a ton of hope off of that kind of, it was really like an eight week period from mid January to mid March when things stopped. Um, And this Flyers team hasn't looked like that and they didn't look like that in the bubble. Um, You know, Jake Voracek has done some reassuring things. I'm glad that he's found his game. Uh, JVR being able to get a few goals is reassuring because if he can get points, he seems to continue to get points and that will help this team. Um, Kevin Hayes already collecting some points is reassuring, but like stylistically, 
I mean, Jordan, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Every, everything was bad on Saturday. And that was what was concerning. D-zone, puck management, decision-making in their own zone, bad. Goaltending, not, not how it normally is. I mean, Carter, Carter has taken a lot of shots on. He's seen a lot of rubber. But he has not looked sharp for stretches a few times this year. Um, but that's another, another part of shortened camp, no preseason. You know, some of it's growing pains with this year. I just, like, the thing that concerns me, like you said, sky's not falling, season's not over. Ghost returns to practice today. I think that's huge because Eric Gustafson did not look good. Um, <clears throat> the, the, the real cause for concern for me is that they just – don't really look great anywhere. Like power play isn't knocking it out of the park. PK isn't knocking it out of the park. As we said, their decision-making and puck management in their own zone has been bad. They can't seem to get um, any kind of controlled rushes. Like they just, they don't, I don't know. Like, no, so you, you tell me if, if there's anything I'm missing, but it just seems like even before last night, like, they were winning in spite of themselves a bit. And mm-hmm. it, Sean Couturier and Phil Myers are a lot more to lose than people realize, especially when you already lost Matt Niskanen in the offseason. But um, there's just, like, I just don't even know if you're Elaine Bino, what you say to that dressing room. I'm, I'm so curious. Yeah, and, no, they do, Taryn. I think systematically they look like him. They look like a mess. Let's be real. They're giving up so many shots because they're just not playing to their strengths or the system in which they want to play at all. And it's created – I think everything kind of compounded uh, Saturday. They, like the Bruins were gaining confidence off their win, and they, they were kind of struggling over their first three games, and they really built confidence up. And the Flyers, I think, are shorthanded, and their confidence took a hit, and then it, everything just kind of became a perfect storm on Saturday. But – you know, for some reasons not to be overly concerned, we're six games into this season. I understand it's 56 games. I have a lot of people telling me it's 56 games and not 82. But last season, they played only 69 games. You know, that's 13 uh, more than 56. And they overcame a pretty mediocre October, and they didn't really click until January. And they were one of the better teams in the league, um, a top six club, I believe, by the end of the season, top six or seven. So – Give it a little bit of time. Some of Vino's teams always start slower and they take time to click. We've seen that in the past. And then also, Taryn, do you, would you agree that, okay, the trip to Boston, they lose two games. They get a point in one of them. In the one game on Thursday, they're two third-period leads away, uh, blown leads away from winning that game. And the Bruins were the best team in hockey last year in the regular season. Like, I don't think it's – like, maybe the expectations are so high and – fans are really holding on to what we saw down the stretch last regular season, which they should be. That's how the Flyers should be playing. That's when they're at their best is what we saw when they were like 19-6-1 to finish the regular season. But the Bruins, you know, are a pretty good team. They're going to be a pretty good team. They were the best team in hockey in the regular season last year, and the Flyers should have won one of those games uh, if they don't blow two third-period leads. So give us some time. They were 2-3-1 to start the regular season last year. They're 3-2-1 this year. Um, and they're very shorthanded. Sean, Sean Couturier, Philip Myers, no Shane Gossespierre. 
Uh, no Morgan Frost. Like, those are bigger losses than I think some people are really making them out to be. I think if you give it time, uh, I, I know people hate to hear that, but it is only six games, and you got to think they're going to figure it out. I think they will. Do you? I think they will. This is something we discussed before one of the games as we were all talking about our coverage for it, though. The thing is, the way that this Flyers team is playing right now on any given night, the next game they play feels like a momentum-swinging game. And you're like, okay, they win this game and they're, they're back on track and they take steps in the right direction, then, you know, we're going to see them start to build. It's going to snowball in a good way. And I think through the first 40 minutes of that first Bruins game, we're going, okay, it's not perfect. I think they got outplayed for the first 20 minutes. It's just Carter was very good in the first period of that first game in Boston. But the second period, it's like, all right, we're taking some steps. This is what we need to see. This is what we need to build on. And then in the third period, it was just like Boston put their foot on their throats. Like, and we, we just haven't seen it swing back. Like they've won games, but they haven't swung back. They haven't come in and put their foot on the gas and haven't taken it off. And I don't think they have the ability to do that right now, whether it's because of personnel issues or, you know, just sloppiness or whatever they're dealing with a lot. I think they will have the ability to do that. They are too talented of a team and they have too many talented individuals to not be able to do that. Um, You know, for, for Travis Konechny not to have a goal and for, you know, <clears throat> a whole host of players that didn't contribute offensively last game to not contribute all on the same night at all, I think will be an anomaly when we look back over the course of the season. <clears throat> but they just, they have a lot of figuring out to do. And the problem, the problem with this year and the way it's set up and, and with the, especially with the East division is you don't really have a team you can figure it out against. You know, I don't want to poo poo on the Red Wings, but normally if it's like last year and the Flyers go to Detroit, you're like, cool, they can go beat the crap out of the Red Wings and gain some confidence and get some guys some goals. And, you know, they can use that game to try to get back on track. New Jersey beat Boston Mm -hmm. in a game during their series. And New Jersey looked a lot better than Boston at times in that series. Jack Hughes has put on weight and looks very, very good. Like New Jersey's not going to be when people made their kind of East division predictions, a lot of people had the flyers and the Bruins at the top of it and the Sabres and the devils at the bottom. Well, the devils already proved to the Bruins that they can be a problem. And the Sabres already proved to the flyers that they can be a problem. There's so much parody in the East. I mean, Jordan, where do you see them? Or, or what do you see them doing to, to get back on track? Because there are no confidence-building games available. Yeah, it's so true. Like you said, there's no, you know, in any normal season, you could have a trip where you, you pick out chunks of it and you say, well, hey, we can really get back on track here. Um, internally, they probably know, like, okay, that team is a lesser opponent. Like, let's really get it into gear here. Yeah, not in this division, not in this year. Um, I, I do – find the next two matchups against the Devils to be very intriguing ones because the Devils, although they're off to a nice little start, they're three, one, and one. Uh, They have seven points just like the Flyers. Uh, They're actually allowing the second most shots per game in the league, and the Flyers are allowing the third most. So could see some high-scoring games, two teams that probably want to be doing 
more things defensively or at least playing more in the offensive zone so they're making life easier on their goaltenders. But I think the Flyers, for me, I think it could take one game. Honestly, one game where they feel like, hey, we, we looked like ourselves from 2019-20, the team that was playing down the stretch, living in the offensive zone, really dictating play. Um, they haven't played a full game yet, not even close, and they're 3-2-1-1. So I think that's a positive. Um, and I think Ivan Provorov, we mentioned it the other day, but I thought he had a good point about how, you know, in a regular season you're playing six or seven preseason games um, and, and you're getting a chance to really shake off frost and find chemistry with other guys. They didn't have any of that this year. Maybe it does take some time. You're seeing other teams, Taryn, like you mentioned, uh, great point that, like, other teams are struggling too. Other quality teams – are, have not gone up to the best starts. They don't look super sharp. Um, so I think patience will be the biggest thing. But I will agree, and I understand if fans are frustrated, that they have reasons to. This is a team with expectations. You were hoping they would come out of the, you know, come out of the shoot and look like the team that's meant to contend for the Stanley Cup. <laughs> they haven't. Uh, there are a lot of alarming um, qualities right now with this team. But I just think patience can be good, and I think one game it can take for the Flyers to really turn it around and then all of a sudden they build confidence. I actually think Carter Hart breaking his stick, Taryn, might have been a good thing. Maybe that was, hey, here's this 22-year-old kid who we never – I wish he didn't apologize, though. I know, and good for him, right? Good for him to be like, hey, I, I was unprofessional. Like, Yeah, but I wish he didn't. I kind of wish he didn't. I, yeah. I kind of wish he was like I, – I mean, like you are saying, and I'm sorry to cut you off, no. I do think – I had noticed, and, and I brought it up, and then Jonesy made a great point on, on postgame the other night, um, was Jonesy was saying, this is a kid who always, always, always puts all the ownness, all the responsibility on himself. And you really don't hear him ever call anybody out, call his team out. And I said, well, Jonesy, the thing that was interesting to me after that first Boston game was he, he made a comment, and it was very subtle, and I don't like to, you know, read into anything too much, but I've been in probably ever, every single Carter Hart scrum there has been since he's been here between practices and games. I've, I'm going to assume I've been in all of them. And I've never heard him say anything but I, me, I have to be better, me, I need to do better myself, blah, blah, blah. I've never said, heard him even say we. It's always been me. And – after the first Boston game, he said, we have to find another gear. We're letting play come to us too much. You know, and even to hear that, like that, I thought, okay, this is a, a new step in the maturity of Carter Hart within this game. And I think within his ability to lead the team to say, like, hey, guys, I'm, I'm not my sharpest, but 40 shots is a lot of shots to see, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And – <clears throat> and then for him to break his stick, I'm sure it was more frustration at himself than at his team. Oh, sorry. To go back to that last thought, what Jonesy said. Jonesy said, I, I played with Patrick Watt, and I, I learned from him. Goalies a lot of times see what's happening and witness it in a way that no one else on the ice can see because they're not behind it looking at it all unfold. It's not coming at them. And he said, I, I think Carter probably is actually seeing the game and is – trying to like say like this is what I'm seeing like listen to what I'm seeing this is what I'm seeing which is a valuable bit of insight to come from a from a goaltender but um I do think the broken stick the broken stick incident um will be valuable 
I think that it was refreshing for fans to see that kind of emotion out of a pretty even keeled guy because, you know, as a fan base, you feel like, why is the team doing this to us sometimes? And for Carter, I think it's like, I'm not like, why is this happening to me? You know? And you know, why, why, why can't I get done what I want to do? Um, and it's just that moment of like really understanding, like this sucks for them. Like it sucks for them too. And I don't know, I'm going off on a tangent now, but I think long-term it's, it's a positive. I just do. I, I kind of, it's a testament to how he was raised and how kind his parents are and what a, a person of strong moral fiber Carter Hart is that he comes out and immediately is like, I'm sorry. And that was unprofessional. That being said, I thought it was dope. I thought it was really cool. Well, uh, Taryn, I want to ask you, what was your reaction to it? Because I'm uh, for, you know, for road games, I'm, I'm working from home and I'm watching, obviously I, I have pre and post game on uh, right away. And I'm, looking up as I'm trying to finish my story and I'm looking up and I see Carter literally I glance up and Carter's going to town on the net with his stick. And I'm like, Whoa, that is not Carter. Uh, what was your reaction? How did you find out as you're live on post game live? So for people who don't know, uh, intermission and post game shows are completely unscripted. It's just me and what's up in the dome and my producer in my ear saying like, talk Carter. So my producer in my ear, Joe Fordyce, goes, move on to Carter. So what we were doing the crossover with Jonesy talking generic stuff, and we move into Carter. Um, and he goes, Carter frustrated. And, and I go, and I'm sitting there like, I don't, I can't imagine. Like, I thought maybe he like takes his, his helmet off and he's like visibly frustrated in his face. That's what I was anticipating. So we're doing, we're doing this board and it's Carter's stats and it's like, you know, 14 goals allowed in three games, never happened in his career. Um, allows four goals or more in three consecutive games ever. And then all of a sudden I get the frustrated Carter video <laughs> note in my ear, which is, that's exactly what they say. That's it. Because I'm talking. So the more they talk, the more it throws me off. Um, and then all of a sudden I just see like, <sighs> Ah, the stick on the on the net and I was like this cannot be and we're live and so I was like yeah. wow a, an absolute scene at TD Garden you know whatever I said I'm, I don't even know but I was shocked I mean it was a very genuine reaction because my producer's not gonna be in my ear like Carter broke a stick over the net talk about it like that doesn't happen um yeah, I was, I was shocked. And, and Al Morganti was doing the show with me on Saturday and Al was kind of like, Whoa, we don't, we don't see that. But I think, um, the one part of it that's interesting too, is I think Carter's obviously a professional. He's been, he's always acted professionally since he got here, but I think before he was very much like the newbie. And even though he's like the future and the savior and everything else, um, I think a part of him still felt like, like the new kid on the block, the young guy in the dressing room, whatever. And I think we're starting to see a bit more of like, I'm here, I've established myself, I'm a pro, I can be mad, I can, you know, I, it just, it feels this year in the way that he's conducted press conferences and even one-on-one -on -one interviews we've done with them. Like we're not dealing with a kid anymore. We, we technically never were. 
but we're not dealing with some wide-eyed kid who's like new to this anymore. Nothing's new. He's been through the, the gambit in his first two seasons in the league. And now he's, he's a lot more comfortable putting his foot down. Like even when we were doing media day questions is he was like, Hey, I, I prefer not to answer question three and 10. And I'm like, okay. And before he would, I don't think he'd ever even do something like he'd never say anything like that. He would just happily do it and be like, was that okay? <laughs> so yeah. it's interesting. I think we're, we're seeing uh, a bit of, it sounds weird to call him a maturity when you're doing that, but I think he's, He's like, I'm an adult and this is my job and I'm frustrated I didn't do my job the way I wanted to do it. Yeah, he, yeah he certainly faced the music on Saturday night. He comes out for his interview after obviously, um, you know, showing his frustration. And I've covered him pretty closely since 2016 when he was drafted. I've never seen him show that much emotion or be that frustrated. Not even close. Do um, you think he's that. ever been on a team that struggled like this? Yeah, it's a great point because his – you know, his final years in junior, his Everett Silver Tips teams were really good. Really mm-hmm. good. And honestly, he dominated the junior level. So he probably didn't face a ton of struggles personally. Um, and like you said, Taryn, I, I really felt like exactly what you said over his first two years, he just kind of felt new. Like mm-hmm. he was definitely the guy last year, obviously, the number one goalie. But there was still a sense of newness to him and just being this kid who was just going out there, playing hockey, having fun. Now he's, you know, he's expected – he has expectations. People are expecting him to be – Lights out, and uh, good for him for facing the music. I thought it was a good sign of maturity. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All month long, NBC Sports Philadelphia presents Headstrong, Men's Health and Sports Headstrong, a series about men's health told through powerful stories involving the athletes we love. Learn more on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com slash Headstrong. Warren, can I ask you a question? Please. If you were, if you were Elaine Vigneault, or let's say you're like, you know, the Flyers' magic fairy, their, their magic godfather, and you can fix this team starting with one thing, what's the one place you start right now, given that there's kind of leaks all over the ship? That's an excellent question. Thank you. I ask questions for a living. <laughs> do you treat Scott Hartnell and Al like this with these tough uh-huh. questions? Yeah, no. <laughs> I do. Um, I like cram 85 stats in there before I ask it. <laughs> that, you know what? It's tough because I do think there are a number of issues that they're facing. Um, I would say probably the biggest thing is just systematically, they need to do what they do in terms of, like, to me, I think we've been harping on defensemen so much. But, like, it starts with their forwards. Their forwards need to – I say, a lot of their defensive issues are not primarily related to their defensemen. <laughs> right. And I feel like it's just, like, a natural thing of when you're giving up goals, you think of, well, who's not playing defense? And it's just – it gets pinned on defensemen. But they need to be so much better up front in terms of what they do when they – transition the puck and get it into the offensive zone. There just needs to be more effort and uh, more – they need to be sharper in there. 
and then that way their the lives are easier on their defensemen. So, you know what? Maybe I think if 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 they don't really clean things up up front where it all starts, maybe make a you know maybe make a bold change. Maybe shake things up a little bit. Whether it's one guy being demoted or one guy being promoted, or maybe even taking one of your taxi squad guys or your extra forward and putting him in and saying, Hey, we need, we need a spark. Let's see what happens. And maybe it sends a message throughout the forwards. I don't think they're there yet. Um, but that would probably be the, the first thing I'm thinking of because I don't really think they have the flexibility on defense right now, but it does bring me to the question I wanted to ask you was it's looking like we're seeing a reinforcement nearing with Shane Gossespierre. He practiced for the first time on Monday with his team since uh, testing obviously positive for COVID he talked about his experience overcoming COVID. Um, and he, the biggest thing, obviously, is conditioning, getting his conditioning going. He, has, he had to stop for about two weeks and really just do nothing. Um, mm-hmm. But he practiced. He was with Ivan Provrov in practice. He was on the power play. All signs point to him entering the lineup either Tuesday or Thursday. Don't be surprised if you see him in the lineup on Thursday or on Tuesday, fans. Taryn, if there's a clear-cut guy who should come out of the lineup on defense for Shane Gossespair, who is it for you? Eric Gustafson. There you go. And why is that? <laughs> without without a, a shadow of a doubt of hesitation. Um, you know, I liked, I, I liked Gus's game first game. I think everybody did. Yeah. But the press clippings, everything we've read about Eric Gustafson, you know, the concerns about Eric Gustafson, I think everyone knew what the gamble was with him. He likes getting on the rush. He likes to be involved offensively. Um, at times, the – the, the one thing that I had read one time that stood out to me was that at times his eff, this effort when it comes to making defensive plays is lacking. Yeah. And on the one Marshawn goal, like it, it was so blatant. It, like it was, I don't know if he was like aware too late or whatever, but there was almost like we were watching Al and um, Joe Fordyce, our producer and myself, we were watching as we were preparing for the post game show because it was third period. And it was like, at that point, just don't even put your stick out because it just was such a, it just was not great. And offensive defensemen are great when they can contribute. That's awesome. But you're, you're still meant to defend. That's, that's, part of the job and it just seems like he's it's either not clicking for him he hasn't found his rhythm with it or it's just not it's a part of his game that he maybe needs to work on but yeah I mean I don't know Jordan because it's he's he's had a few a few brutal ones I mean do you, yeah. do you disagree I don't know no, I don't and Elaine Vigneault said it exactly what you said um, just now, and I think this was I'll, – I'll translate what Vigneault was basically met, was meaning, was on Monday he talked about um, Eric Gustafson, what he thought of his game so far. And he said, listen, I'm not asking him to be overly physical. I know that's not his style, but he can be a lot better in terms of with his stick and killing plays in the defensive zone. What AV is saying there is that, listen, I know who Eric Gustafson is. He's an offensive-minded defenseman, and I'm, I'm not asking him a ton in the defensive zone. But give me something. Give me something. Yeah. And Gustafson gave him nothing there on that play. It was a back-breaking goal. The game was still in reach at 3-1. And then all of a sudden, you get eaten alive on a really bad play in the defensive zone where 
you know, I don't want to bash Eric Gustafson, but it just looks like there wasn't a ton of effort or care even in that play. He might as well have had a chopstick in his hand. <laughs> Honestly, I, I didn't – I was the one who came up with that. Somebody else said it, but and I saw it. But, uh, like – I, so, like, literally, it was like if he if he had like a noodle in his hand, it would have been as effective. And again, it's one of those things where you're just like the the t- the thing about this team that people loved last year, even before they got on that hot streak. The thing that they loved when they started loving the Flyers last year was that they they were a never say die team. They were never say die. Like it, they could be down four goals in the third period, and you'd be like, we'll figure it out. And, you know, it, people just, they fought for each other. They fought for something. There was a ton of, you know, I know we talk about I, uh, Oscar being an inspiration and all of that, but beyond him, like they just, they played so hard for each other. Mm-hmm. And some of that, it seems like either they are not or they cannot figure out how to properly execute it. But the thing, Jordan, with that too, and it kind of goes back to what you said, is like when I look at when you talk about some of the defensive breakdowns involved with forwards, even when it comes to like forechecking at times, the the gaps and the way that they're stretched out is like one guy goes to forecheck and then two guys are like twenty feet behind them, and then like every everybody's stretched so far, it, it seems like it's nearly impossible to forecheck or to backcheck or to maintain any kind of like tape to tape passing or make decent decisions. Like at least against the Bruins, it, they just look every, every player, every shift looks stretched out and then it's easy to exploit. It's easy to transition against them. It's easy to puck manage against them because you got a guy here two guys over here, a guy back here and a guy down here. And I, this is an audio medium. So I don't know why I just use, you know, I it out like a coach guys. If, if, you, if you're wondering. Yeah. If I had a whiteboard, it would have been beautiful, but, um, but no, I mean, do you agree? Cause the, the, yeah, the gaps are insane, Jordan. Yeah. And that's where like, that's their whole system is predicated on having their forwards basically start like, no, I will say their system is also predicated on their defensemen joining the attack and being a second wave of offense, but their forwards really need to get it going when, when that puck's in there. And, yeah, they're just kind of a systematic mess. Like F2 and F3 are all over the place. And like you said, it's just creating for, um, for open hockey. And then they start chasing the game, and it's just a bad, a bad mess. But that, and then that, you know, that tells me maybe Elaine Vigneault, if they, if they don't really get things going, maybe send a message, do something – to say, hey, this is not how we play. Um, but, know. like, like Giroux was on the third line the other night. You know, it's yeah. – it's who else do you shake up? What else do you do? Like, yeah, I, if, I'm, if I'm him – it's not all on, on Giroux because, you know, not for nothing, I think he tried to just throw the puck at the goal, like, three times towards the end out of frustration. It was like, well, at least someone's trying to put a shot on goal. Like, you know, the competitiveness in him is still there. But it's – okay, if I'm, if I'm Elaine Vigneault and I'm not, and Jordan, I'd love for, for you to pretend you're Elaine Vigneault here too. That Patty, that line of, of Patrick, Konechny, and uh, Oscar stays together for me. Yeah. 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 I think that's what I would want to keep together. We and see. everything else is just like, I don't even care. 
Yeah, nothing else should be set in stone. Um, Put it in a blender, dice in a Yahtzee cup, throw them out, see who works. Like, because none of it makes sense anymore. No, and it's not showing anything. Nothing's clicking. You're trying to find some type of chemistry. We heard Aline Vigneault say it so much throughout October last year that he was just trying to find chemistry. And once they did, they can maybe keep things more in place. Um, And just there's nothing so far other than a few groups of players that have shown something. I would would put – Again, just me. I would put Lawton back on a line with Nico Bay-Cubell and Michael Raffle, but not make them the fourth line so they yeah. get more minutes because they've yeah. been one of the Flyers' more consistent lines. Like, yeah, in terms of forechecking and playing the way they want to play, and that's going to that's gonna create offense, inevitably. Uh, but, yes, we, well, Taryn, we do know it, it – you and I both agree it's got to be ghost in for Eric Gustafson. It, to me, it makes perfect sense because, one, Gustafson has struggled, and it's a way to say, hey, we need more from you. We're going to yeah. try this other guy. And then also they have similar, very similar attributes in terms of Gustafson is an offensive-minded guy. He can slide into a power play role that Gus was playing and, um, and see if he gives you more on, yeah, at all ends of the ring. So, Ideal situation for Gus to come back into – or for Gus, for Ghost to come back into as well. Yeah, they need him. I mean, and, like I get him being sick was not ideal, but – Sure. It's not this thing of like play well or you're scratched. It's like just please play well because we just need someone to play well. (laughs) We have nothing to lose on you right now. Please do whatever you can execute well. Just execute that and you don't need to do any more than that, which I think Ghost has admittedly said he has struggled mentally with overcoming, you know, some of the self-imposed obstacles in his game and the injuries and everything else. But Jordan, this, this really feels like ghosts. You've been given the prime opportunity to shine. Does it not? It does. And last season, you remember they, they were rolling and when ghost was battling his health stuff. And then when he was deemed healthy, uh, they were rolling and they just didn't really want to mess up the lineup or change things. They looked really good. And even when it got into the playoffs, you know, he was fighting for a spot just because the flyers were kind of in, let's go with what's, what, with what worked for us. This Right now, nothing's working. So, hey, Shane, get in there and just show us what you can do. No pressure. Yeah. Like, we, we need help. So, that's a good You thing. just have to you, – you have to just not malfunction. Yes. That's where they're at. You just have to not malfunction. And I'm not here to, like, say, like, say the sky is falling and it's not. But that is quite literally where we're at. Like, I just need you to, do, to just be solid. Like, yep. which is harder to do than, than it seems. But th- they don't need fancy right now. Like, because other teams are not playing fancy. They're not – it's not like other teams have figured it out. They're not. Everybody is a, a bunch of slop kebabby messes. But, like – And can I ask you about Gus? So, were you surprised by Gus so far? <laughs> It's basically what my general... About how he's playing? Yeah. Yeah, I will be honest. The book on him, like we were saying, was really offensive-minded guy, but doesn't always have it in the defensive zone. He can really struggle there. And, yeah, we're seeing exactly what we heard. And I just hope, for the Flyers' sake, that he can be better. And I think he can. Like, some of the players we're seeing, like, you're just thinking, wow, like, he is a liability defensively. And that was somewhat of the, the book on him. But he's got to be able to be better. And to me, if he's not producing offensively, which 
since game one of the season when he had that two-assist two game on the power play. He hasn't done anything offensively. And if that guy is living in the defensive zone, he's a liability probably. And, but you, you got to expect more. So I guess we'll see. But I, I think it's the time to look at Shane Goss' bear. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Flyers Talk is presented by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. So, Taryn, we will sh- we'll shift from Eric Gustafson a little bit, give the guy okay. a break. You know, it's only six weeks into the season. Uh, we, we hope Flyers fans, maybe let, let's – hey, we're all saying let's wait and see patience. Let's wait and see a little bit more on Gustafson. Yeah, it's a time of concern. It's not a time of doom and gloom. No. It's just everyone has a fair – like, we're speaking from a place of concern, not right. of, like, absolute dooming, damning nature. That's not right. where we're at. But it and is offense, a little jarring. <laughs> yes, and, and defensemen that are expected <laughs> offensively, yeah, they, they tend to get exposed a little bit when you're constantly playing in the defensive zone, and the Flyers are doing that. And you're asking guys like Eric Gustafson and offensive-minded guys to really do yeoman's work in the defensive zone, and you're you're bound to have a mess there if you're going to do that. But yeoman's turn, work, yeah, wow, like that, right? yeah, that's great. That's a great literary device. Go ahead. <laughs> um, our final thing we'll touch on, though, Taryn, I wanted to final? ask you about this. Our final, final thing that we'll talk final about. Thing. Final thing. <laughs> final. <laughs> Listen, my off day, guys. I'm so sorry. I'm losing it. But we're always talking goalies. Why not? And it, right now, you know, that's a topic of conversation. Brian Elliott, Brian Elliott will be in net on Tuesday against the Devils. Taryn, do you agree with that decision? Um, I think it's, it's time to go to Brian and let Carter maybe just sit and watch a game. Yeah. I mean, we were t- Al and I were talking about this on postgame the other day. And, um, and the thing that Al brought up that was – probably the most valid point that I heard is that this is not a QB controversy. I know everybody has a a bit of PTSD from Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts, like everything happening with the Eagles sector of the world. Um, But Carter is the guy, not just this year for the next, hopefully 10 to 15 years. He's the Flyers guy. He he's their pride and joy of, you know, their drafting and development and, Mm -hmm. He's the goaltender that we've all waited decades for. Carter is it. He will be it. Brian is here, and he chose to be here, and that's huge. But Brian is a very, very capable backup goaltender who is very comfortable also being the backup goaltender. So sitting Carter on Tuesday – and giving him an extra few days to get prepared, get mentally right, talk to whoever he needs to talk to. We know he loves uh, his, like, sports psychology guys that he swears by. 
you know, giving him the ample amount of time to reset and prepare and do whatever he needs to do. And I won't pretend to know what that is because everybody's different, especially when it comes to goaltenders is not going to put into question whether or not Carter is the guy between the pipes for this team. He is, he will be, he won't play tomorrow, but he is still the guy tomorrow, even if when he's not in net. And at that point, what does it hurt to give him a day off? Like even at some point, if he hits a wall and he needs like a Tuesday and a Thursday game off and Moose has to play two days, he's more than capable of doing so. Mm -hmm. And Carter will still be the guy and he's still a phenomenal goaltender. Like I get, he has not played phenomenally lately. Like, well, but he has because the first period of the first game against Boston should have, the score should have been like three, nothing. So he's the reason the Flyers got a point out of that game. But, um, but yeah, I just think when, when a team has put so much faith in you, but you also don't have all that weight on you because you have a Brian Elliott. This is the time you use that balance. You've worked so hard to develop that balance. This is the time you use it. And it's not a goalie controversy. It's, it's a day off for a 22 year old who had a bad game. Yeah. And I I was really big on Carter playing Saturday. I thought he, I think some people were maybe saying, should they go Elliott on Saturday against the Bruins? I wanted Carter to play. I'm big on him playing to build his confidence, like play through struggles. That's what it's all about. Um, Sometimes when you sit too long or you're always taken out after one so-so game or so-so period, all of a sudden you're in your head, you're thinking too much, go play and just regain your confidence through playing. But right now, after that type of game where um, we see him look like someone we've never seen before in terms of his frustration, give Brian Elliott a game. And that's a, Hey, Brian Elliott's coming off a 40 save shutout. So (laughs) like, that's fine. Like Brian gives you a chance to win. It gives yeah. Carter a mental break, allows Brian to get some reps. I, I think that's fine. Um, so, yeah, there's no controversy at all. Carter is the guy. And people forget he went through a little stretch in October last year where he got pulled. I think it was, like, in his first, like, four to six games. He went through a mini funk. Brian came in, played wonderfully, uh, and then Carter got his chance again and, and, and started rolling. So, yeah, uh, it's fine. This happens early in the season. Give Carter I mean, a break, let Brian go, and – and he struggled, he struggled on the road for months and months last year. And so they started to employ Brian on the road. And Brian did great on the road. And then they played an entire, you know, postseason in a bubble, which is technically on the road. And Carter did fine in the bubble. So it's like my, my thing that I was more curious about, and I see both sides of it, and I wonder, Jordan, if you were surprised at all, was that they kept Carter in that game last game and you know Al and I were talking about it and we were weighing the pros and cons of it and this is before it became a 6-1 game when it was like 4-1 um and Al was like you know the thing is is that most goaltenders would be irate because they're like you're screwing up my stats you know the team's not the team's not helping you out my stats are getting screwed up you know like and they're, they're pissed that their, their team hung them out to dry, but that their coach allowed it to go on for so long. And Al said the interesting thing with Carter is, one, he's not a guy who's going to go be pissed at his coach or who has an ego or who has, a, you know, a, like a diva attitude. He's certainly not that. Um, 
and he's and he probably and Al said you know he's, and he's probably not going to play on Tuesday, so it doesn't hurt to keep him in. Like, why would you put Brian in and have his psyche wrecked for twenty minutes? But uh, Jordan, I I was curious if you were at all surprised that he was kept in that game. Yeah, I can't say I was because of just how it unfolded. It's three one in the third, and as we mentioned, Taryn, that four one goal was about like four plus minutes in. And it was not on Carter. That was on coverage in front, Eric Gustafson, and just a breakdown. So, like, I wouldn't think I would pull him there because it had nothing to do with Carter. Like, leave him in. And then once it got to 5-1, everything kind of happened fast. And yeah. Definitely, yeah, like you said, Taryn, it's um, – the game's the game is already uh, – it's already sealed. It's done. You know, sometimes you pull a goalie maybe early in the game because you think you still have a chance to win the game and it sends a message – I don't think it would have sent any message to pull Carter. Um, if anything, that's, you know, that would have been two, um, not two straight games. Uh, that's right. He was pulled in Buffalo, but it yeah, would have been two, two times. Yeah. Two, two times in, in three starts. Yeah. yeah, that he's pulled. So, um, I think, it, you know, like you said, it, he, Carter's a young kid that I don't think he would have taken offense that Vigneault was like, hey, stay in there and uh, take, take this beating. And just take it. Yeah, like he's not like that. Like you said, he's not a veteran guy. That, yeah. Uh, that would be like, coach, what are you doing to me? So, yeah, it was, it was weird to see him have to go the full game and give up six. It definitely uh, puts a dent in his statistics. But other than that, I think it just made sense. And I think at that point, Vigneault probably made up in his mind, we're going with Brian on Tuesday. Yeah. Let's yeah. save him. So. It was just – it was interesting because I've always, like, thought of it in terms of – that like pulling goalies in ter- especially this season in terms of like the future. So what the next few games looks like when you're going to start, you know, Brian versus when you're going to start Carter, that kind of setup, which is what it seemed to be AV based his decision off of. Mm-hmm. But then Al was, was talking and, and he said, he was like, I mean, this seems lucky that he's a, as nice a guy as he is and B is, you know, young and not, jaded in the ways of the world and, and by hockeyreference.com and his stats um, because there's plenty of goaltenders who would be like, get me out of this game right now. Like, I, I don't need to, I don't deserve this kind of abuse <laughs> at the hands of the Bruins. And, uh, and I hadn't particularly thought of it that way. And he was like, oh yeah, most goaltenders would have flipped out, like flipped out. And well, I- that's just so true. I'm sure, obviously, uh, you know, and also Al knows, given his experience, that, like, that is very true. And I, I think I remember a game, might have been a few years ago. It, I feel like it was the home opener against the Sharks, I think, two or three years ago. I think they lost, like, 8-2. And it might have been Brian. It might have been Brian Elliott. I don't want to say that for fact. But I remember, and uh, I believe the goalie stayed in the whole game for the Flyers. And there was a lot of talk about, like, man, you let him out there and just let him hang out to dry both the team and the staff. And some people were saying, like, the goalie did not deserve that. Like, take him out at that point. Yeah. Um, I'll have to double check on that. I'm actually eager because it, it does relate to the situation that we saw in Boston on Saturday night. Yeah. I mean, the, the only the, – the, the main difference is, like, what you pointed out is that it seemed to come in, in spurts of, like, two yeah. goals at a time. So, it goes from a 3-1 game that's still winnable – to like a five, one game that's out of control very quickly. Um, and then say, say Brian goes in Taryn with in a meaningless game and God forbid he injures himself. Like 
Yeah, and he's 35 years old, too. Right, right. Yeah. So, but hey, Brian Elliott in that on Tuesday, Taryn. And I think people are excited about it. I think they're like, okay, let's see. Let's see what Brian can do. Let's see what Shane can do if he's out there. Let's see what everyone can do. Yeah, you want to see – when you see a 6-1 loss, the second of six games uh, for the Flyers, another 6-1 decision, you kind of want to see change. And, hey, you're going to – there's a good chance Flyers fans are going to see some change. We know they're going to be changing that, and there's a chance Shane Gossesberry will be back. And uh, let's see if those guys can help and what they can do. But, uh, and, Sean, and, and Sean Couture and Phil Myers skating today. Good stuff. Yeah, good signs. Good yeah. signs there on the health front for the Flyers. It Is looks like guys are – positive on, note. Yes, positive. There we go. We'll end it on a positive note right there, Taryn Hatcher. Flyers fans, you can check out Taryn on pre- and post-game live as usual. Tuesday and Thursday, Flyers-Devils, a two-game set up the road in New Jersey. But Taryn Hatcher, thank you as always so much. Can't wait to talk to you soon. Uh, Ben Berry, special thank you to our podcast producer as well. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.